So trauma from childhood, just in case you're wondering, Guy, what the gateway drug is, it's trauma. Trauma from childhood remaps the brain and the central nervous system. As soon as you take alcohol, it becomes our comfort blanket. I'm ready to get going. Okay. You've got headphones on there, yeah? I yeah. do. <laughs> My sound's good, though. <clears throat> One, two, three, four, five. Rob, you sound magnificent. Ooh, there you oh, go. The muscles. Okay, I'll do one, two. Bang. Oh, right. oh my God. Are you kidding me? I got some peaks, eh? Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> it's you've only seen my face, that. right? Right, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Oh, well, I'm here with Dr. Rob Kelly, and I'm so happy to have you here. You've seen him on TV. He's been featured on the TV show, The Doctors, as well as countless news stations. Going to talk about that in regards to opioids and numerous podcasts. I'm so happy to have you here on mine. Uh, you are quite possibly the smartest dude that I've had on the show thus far. He has a PhD from Oxford. Uh, we're going to talk about drug and alcohol abuse. And then at the end of the program, Dr. Rob Kelly is going to provide a resource. He says 10 minutes that will most definitely change your life. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you, Jason. Good to be here. Hey, guys, good to see you. Yeah, so I just want to get right into it. And you have quite the backstory yourself. So when there's a lot of people out there that are looking for addiction counseling or any type of counseling whatsoever, they kind of look across the table and they size you up like, well, what have you gone through? And Dr. Rob Kelly has one heck of a backstory that will rival almost anyone's. So let's just start with being homeless. How did you get there? Strange, strange way I got there. I never thought, I'm not the guy who, uh, who becomes homeless. Even though I came from a council estate, which is a bit like the project in, in America, uh, never was supposed to be anybody or do anything. So <clears throat> the homelessness was a, a big scare. But what happened is, all my drinking over the years and years had getting out of control, though I didn't see it at the time, and then got married, thought that would solve my drinking problem. Nope. Had the first child, second child, nothing. And then it all exploded. I mean, the stuff I did in that house, which we'll probably get into later, was horrendous because I was blackout most of the time. For those people who don't know what a blackout is, a blackout isn't unconscious, like you hit somebody in the black. A blackout is a functioning person, or so they think under the influence of drug or alcohol, but the brain is not taken in at the time the image is around because it's saturated in alcohol and the neural pathways and the neurons have stopped firing. So you're on this auto mode most of the time. So I was in blackout. I went in blackouts for months. You might go in it for a day or two, I mean, for months. So with all that exploding and finishing, one day I woke up and I'm on the streets of Manchester, sat on a bench, um, thinking to myself, where, where did that all go wrong? And, and that's where I ended up. It was absolutely horrendous when I think about it, horrendous. Right. And there was a pinnacle moment in your story to what led you to where you are today in regards to being to help people. Uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing that story, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, we've got to remember, guys, that alcohol, alcohol has got very little to do with alcoholism and the same with drugs. I didn't know this and nobody did at the time. I remember stood outside a liquor store. Let me paint the picture for you. It's in Manchester. It's around December. It's about 10 below freezing. Uh, it's snowing. Uh, I've got a, a vest on, a pair of shorts, and a pair of flip-flops. And I am sweating profusely at uh, 5, 5.30 in the morning outside AM. 
outside this liquor store. That's usually a news agent, sells papers, tobaccos, can't serve alcohol until 10. That's the law in England. But this guy knows me. I know quite well I'm, while I'm waiting, I'm shaking, you know, almost uncontrollably. I've got a banging headache. My blurred vision has started. I'm going into BTs, delirium tremors, which means if I don't get a drink in the next five, 10 minutes, I'm going to start fitting and, and down I go on the ambulance. And whether I make it, I don't know. It's a 50-50 shot from there. So I'm waiting. But he sees me as usual. He opens the door, closes it, locks it again because he's not supposed to serve alcohol. And I put my £10 on the counter. I said, bottle of vodka? I said, yes, please. And I'm shaking as I'm putting the money on the counter. A banging headache. I just wanted to get out of there. That's all. And get this vodka down my, down my throat. Um, and as he placed the bottle in front of me and took the £10, I grabbed the handle of the bottle. And this is what my, my reaction. <sighs> headache stopped. Shaking stopped. Mood was changed instantly. Now I'm joking with him. I remember looking at the bottle with my, with my hands still on it. I looked at the shopkeeper. I looked back at the bottle again. And I suddenly realized, oh, my God, it's not the alcohol. It's mm. me. So that, that kind of set me on this rampage once I got back into, into uh, learning and school again. Uh, two PhDs from Oxford and from Southampton only about uh, eight years ago, something like that. But I'm always studying and trying to find out because we don't know as much as we'd like to know about the brain regarding addiction and alcoholism. And I think that's why I was put on this earth to bring uh, good news to people like, hey, this is not all bad. I've come from homelessness, guys, to where I am today. They call me one of the best minds in the modern addiction world. How crazy is that? Mm. You know, I'm no different to you. It's just I have, an, I have a, a thirst for knowledge regarding my disease because I've never seen my eldest daughter since that, since they threw me, you know, I, they took them off me, which was mm. a horrendous day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm just, I want to help people and, and save lives and help families. Right. So, you know, there's so many people out there right now that probably have a problem and don't even know it, right? You can look back in retrospect and say, wow, like I was in this state of mind. What would be some key identifiers for someone right now going through a pandemic where they just think, oh, I'm having a couple of drinks, whatever. What else am I going to do to where <laughs> like, there's most definitely something that they would be able to see if they had your knowledge to say, okay, maybe I should pull back a little bit. Great question. No one's asked me that before. Great question. So if, you, if, you, if you're still at home working and you're suffering from the pandemic or whatever your situation is, I'm going to ask you one question. When you take a first drink, can you stop? In other words, when you go to the bar or at home with the wife, when you take a first beer and you drink it, can you put that away and not drink for another couple of days? If the answer is yes, you haven't got a problem, my friend. You have not got a problem. I think 95% of, of uh, human race can drink successfully. It's that small part that can't. Now, if you go home every night and you're banging six or seven beers and the blackout and wake up next morning with a hangover going to work, you may have a problem. Mm -hmm. And that's the way to look at it. You, you stop going to events eventually because... You can't walk into a bar and ask for a pint of vodka, you know? So these indicators are there. What, what I would say to you guys or, or, or ladies out there who's partners in that situation or you are, is start communication with somebody. Just start communication. That's all I ask you to do because I had nobody to talk to. So my disease got rampant and rampant until it was out of control. You don't have to do that. You know, it's real simple to get the right help. And I'm going to give my phone number out later, not for help, um, we don't sell our services. You have to earn them. But I want to give my phone number out so you can call me if you need a five or 10 minute pep talk because you're really down because that's all we need. We need somebody else to believe in us 
to push us to that next step. Right. So we hear about this binge drinking. I mean, that's just a term I hear. And I believe that's something like two or three drinks, certain amount of times during the week. Can you just clarify that? Because maybe that will also help because there's people out there that think, oh, I can stop, but they really can't. You know, so is it, is it sitting down two, three times a week or four times a week and having two, three drinks? How could someone really just identify it? Binge drinking is in a class of its own. Okay. So what happens again, when you set the first drink, can you stop that night? If it's no, you're going to go out and you're going to get as wasted as possible. And this needs to be a regular occurrence. Then yeah, you're binge drinking. You know, you're probably alcoholic. Alcoholism is the only self-diagnosed illness in the world, guys. No one's pointing fingers there you have to identify the disease yourself it's the only one but yeah binge drinking is a, a lot of alcohol within a short period of time okay. and it happens once twice a week maybe or once twice a month makes okay. no difference you see you can't be born an alcoholic and this is where people kind of it gets uh, controversial but the science is that i have a predisposition to alcohol the, the, the fact is that my grandfather had it my mother had it and it was passed down to me. Skip my brother and sister, by the way, but it was passed down to me. So it's hereditary to start with. So I'm born with that extra uh, addiction gene or alcohol, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm born with that self-sabotaging brain. You know, everything I want to do will be okay for a few weeks, but then I'll crash it down because I don't deserve it. So trauma from childhood, just in case you're wondering, guy, what the gateway drug is, it's trauma. Trauma from childhood remaps the brain and the central nervous system. As soon as it's like alcohol, it becomes our comfort blanket. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild. Like to be transparent, I've most definitely had some trials and tribulations with alcohol. I should probably just stop drinking altogether uh, because I know for sure that I use it as a crutch. I can drink it responsibly, but then when things kind of get a little bit down or I'm struggling, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have a couple of drinks. Um. During the pandemic, I've done my best to stay away from alcohol. Just for the listener to really understand what alcohol is doing to them just on a, a basic level, whether they have a problem with it or not, what is it about having that sip of alcohol? What is in that juice that seems to be able to potentially take people down that rabbit hole of destruction? Well, first of all, <clears throat> it's, it's a depressant, first of all. So we need to know that about and I'm talking about alcohol, but we can throw drugs in there as well. It's a depressant when we first take it. So we think it, may, it makes us feel good. It really doesn't. Mm. It really attacks central nervous system. It attacks the body as well. It's a poison. It's a toxin mm. when we put it in our body. But hey, it feels good at the time, you know, until about four or five minutes later. And then we, especially me, if I'm drinking bottles of vodka, I start to get hazy. But it's just from generations to generations passed down as this. This is what we should. This is what we should do during our downtime, and it makes us feel good. But when you put in any toxins in your body, it doesn't. Now, <clears throat> if you are born alcoholic, which we are, or you take enough drugs to become uh, addicted or uh, uh, an addict, then there's a turning point there, and we don't know when it is. So. Like I say, I don't know the statistics, I'm guessing, but let's say 95% can drink successfully Mm -hmm. and the 5% can't. You have to realize if alcoholic or not, there's still damage being done. Now, you hear this all the time. The more alcohol you drink, the more brain cells you kill. Everyone's heard that, yeah? That's wrong. (laughs) That's not truth. Yeah, that's just a saying. Everyone believes in it. It doesn't. Thank God. Yeah, it, it kind of muffles them a little bit and it it distorts them a little bit, but it it Mm -hmm. doesn't, they don't kill brain cells. You know, so, I mean, sensible drinking is a gun. If you don't suffer mm. from a, the disease, please try not drinking for a week. But 
you know, if there's no consequences after you drink, I think you're pretty good. Yeah, it's difficult, though. You know what? Like I found when I was trying to just knock alcohol out completely is there's this huge social pressure. I mean, I play sports, for instance, and, you know, after the game or you bump into somebody that you haven't seen in a while, they're like, hey, let's have a drink. And you're like, no, I'm not going to have a drink. And then it's usually followed with something like you're a pussy, <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. or, or, a, or a wanker. Right. Yeah. I guess that would be no, in there. Like and I'm it, like, yeah. well, what the f- what's going on here? It's just like I'm I trying know. to do something for me. But I mean, it's just there's a societal <laughs> pressure to most definitely sit there with your buds and have a couple of beers. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. Right. You know? Right. Right. Went right. to a bar one night. This is a joke, by the way, guys. Walked into a bar one night. I'm sat there with a friend and he turned around. And he said, would you like a, a whiskey or something? And I said, no, I don't, I don't drink. And he said, sorry. I said, oh, I'm a mass murderer. Thank God for that. I thought he said you were an alcoholic for a minute. <laughs> it's like that kind of pressure that we're under. And, and it's luckily that the, the, the guys coming through now into the teens and into the 20s, we've got this big kick going, the health kick's going on. You know, everyone's eating organic, everyone's eating healthy food. So that helps. But back in my day, no, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, your dad sort of not taking you, but being in the same place the first time you took a drink or when you was 18, you know, it, it's a big thing, especially in England. America's okay. You get to England, man. I'd say if you don't stop at the pub on the way home, there's something fucking wrong with you, <laughs> you know, and people don't want to come near you if there's something wrong with you. It's the mm-hmm. craziest thing ever. Mm-hmm. But we're striving day by day to take that stigma away because alcohol has always been that stigma that no one talks about. I want to say this, this thing, and I don't mean to be controversial or, you know, but we alcoholics right now are where the gay people or the gay population was in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. They, they want to come out. They want to, you know, make this a normal thing. And they've done an amazing job of it. And now it's recognized and it's, it's alcohol hasn't done that for centuries. It's not, it's not had that expression to come out and go, Hey, you know, I, I have a disease. I have, I have a biochemical disease because it's not the alcohol that I'm allergic to. It's the ethanol in alcohol that I'm allergic to. And it has a certain reaction on my brain that my brain says around the hypothalamus because the hypothalamus is just there to make sure that we, we know when to run, when to hide, when to eat, when to drink. That's the main job of the hypothalamus. Yeah. Do you know what it tells the alcoholic, Jason? It mm. tells him to drink alcohol. And that's why me and hundreds of millions of other alcoholics can go days and weeks without alcohol, or without water or food. We just need alcohol. So we're up against the brain to start with, which is crazy. Right. And then the psychological warfare from people on the outside looking in, just thinking that you're too lazy to do anything about it, or you just don't give a shit. When the reality is, I mean, you're struggling inside, number one, with this addiction. And then number two, having to deal with the psychological warfare that's coming from the outside world, looking at you, thinking that you're just not giving a shit. Right. 24-7, yeah. It's exactly what I've been through. I always explain people to this, look, Two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. I'm in bed. I'm kind of unconscious. It's nighttime. I've got seven o'clock to get up and eight o'clock. I'll be at work for a board meeting that morning. I wake up. I come downstairs. I'm dying to drink alcohol. I come down. I look around the kitchen. I open a kitchen cupboard. There's the bottle of vodka that I was hoping for. I, I took it down. I put it on the shelf. I turn around for two seconds to get a crystal glass because I'm not an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Crazy thinking. And my wife snatched a bottle off the counter. And she said, Rob, I think you've had enough. Let's think about that for a second. Middle of the night, I probably consumed four handled bottles of vodka in the last 20, 25 hours, 26 hours. I should have said, thank you, Mrs. Kelly. Went back up to bed and slept till nine o'clock. What I did in this blackout was get a kitchen knife out and stab her three times. You see, I don't want to do that. 
but we do it. So when people look out going in, say, well, if you can just stop for his children, we can't. It's not that. If you're the real alcoholic, the real deal, you can't do that because your brain's fighting against the brain. You know, so when the subconscious brain says drink and the prefrontal cortex has not got a defense against that thought pattern, then we drink no matter what. Right. So looking from the outside in, it's like, God, he's so lazy. He can't do anything about it. And I mean, we, we, I was sick. Alcoholics and drug addicts are sick people. We're not bad people trying to do good in life. We're sick people trying to get well. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference there. So what do you think is happening with the pandemic right now? Because alcohol sales are through the roof. Is it just the fact that there's people that already have a problem with alcohol or drinking more? Or does that mean that there are people out there that maybe didn't have a drinking problem that are now gravitating towards that? Why during the pandemic do people seem to want their booze so bad opposed to going out and doing healthier things for their body? One word, isolation. Alcohol loves isolation. You know, mm-hmm. when, when, when the liquor stores are classed as essential business, you know there's something wrong out there. You know we have a generation that's consuming billions of dollars of alcohol. So once, if, and, and this has happened, look, alcohol sales are up 67% in, in Texas. Uh, divorces are up by 32% or something like that. There's an increase in everything around. The knock-on effect, is, we've not seen that yet. We will see it as we come out of it, hopefully, uh, next year. But, but the psychological effect is, is damaging. Because what happens is you start to take that drink. And then the worst thing that happens is the employee says, can you work from home for the next six months? <laughs> right. And when they realize they can just put a shirt on like this, but I'll have the pajamas on and a, and a, and a, a drink here, half vodka, half this, mm. and nobody can smell your breath, that's what starts everything off. It's right. like, let's have a drink today. Let's have a, got no work tomorrow. Just got to be on Zoom at 10. Let's have a drink. And, the, and the, the whole population is drinking too much right now. And those guys... Uh, that are not alcoholic will abuse alcohol. They will abuse it. There's a fine line between an abuser and an alcoholic. Uh, one, the, the abuser will, will drink just as much, if not more than the alcoholic, every night, every night, every night. And violence will happen in the house and divorces will happen. So when that happens, you have to look exactly what's going on. And you have to start getting some boundaries in the house itself. Like you should be only drinking Friday and Saturday night if you think you've got a problem. And let's put it this way, guys. If when my guys come up to me, my new patients and go, I think you have a drink problem. If you have to ask if you have a drink problem, you have a drink problem. Believe me. There's not one single case has anybody come up and go, Dr. Rob, do you think I have a drink problem? Really? Yeah. You know, never one case been. No, you're fine. Right. Don't worry about it. Right. Yeah. In my career with radio, one of the things that I was taught that stuck with me, when in doubt, leave it out. Right. So if you think it's going to be something that's going to piss people off, chances are it's going to be. So just leave it out. And if you have to ask whether or not you're an alcoholic or a drug abuser, chances are, well, not even chances. You are. And get some help. Yeah, you, yeah. Are. you are. Call Dr. I Rob tell Kelly. People, I tell people this. I say everybody knows somebody with an alcohol or drug problem. And if you don't, it's probably you. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a good one. And I'd like to slide into now drugs and obviously a lot of that is the same as the alcohol but there's one drug in specific well opioids and this has been a crisis that's been going on forever i mean i just had a buddy go into the hospital i can't even remember what it's for but they had to send him home and just basically wrote him a prescription for opioids and said yeah just you know head out on your way uh so obviously this is driven by big farm and this is a planet right now 
if the pandemic hasn't proven that, like it's obvious that we're living in a big farm world and everything is settled with a, a pill and solved with a needle and whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so there was this rumor and I had, I had spoken about it with you before. This is something I've kind of followed from the outside and I just wanted to get your professional opinion on it. In regards to the opioid crisis, mm -hmm. that was created by a company. And I know that you spoke on the news about this and it was one of the reasons why I had you on the show. And then they have apparently come up with something that will wean people off opioids, but it's basically the same people that created opioids to begin with. Yeah, they're all a set. They're all in. They're all in this together, guys. If they can't give you a pill or charge you a huge amount of money to get well, there's there's, there's no money in recovery. They don't want to know. So what happens is people like Purdue, who who I I despise for what for what they have done to to the population of the USA, despise what they've done. Uh, when they come out with something like fentanyl or the drugs that they're known, not known for making them, or oxycodone and all that stuff, powerful powers of sedatives, powerful. You know, I, I look at one thing. My mom had cancer. Do you know what she used? She was morphine. Mm. What the fuck is wrong with morphine? It was good enough for if 60s, 70s and 80s. Why do we need something stronger? Well, there was always only going to be one end out, and that was street market. Or market, obviously, to the population. But we've got ourselves in such a bind right now. So when I went, when I did the national show uh, to fight against Purdue, uh, I, I, I put such a great uh, story forward that the next day, not I'm not saying this stands to me, but the next day they just happened to go file for bankruptcy. But yeah, they caught the Suboxone. You know, oh well, I'm not taking heroin now. But I've got to have my Suboxone. Of course you have. That's big pharma doing their multi-trillions of dollars a year. Mm -hmm. But I'm not The problem is with suboxone, guys, is A, I'm all for taping off any drug. We have to do it. Same with alcohol. Never stop taking alcohol before a treatment center. Always make sure you drink until you get into that treatment center because your body can go into convulsions and you can die with alcohol. With drugs, it's kind of the same, but you can't die with many, many drugs. You just feel like shit and you need help. And that's when the medical... Uh, fraternity needs to come in and help you do that but once you start coming off to boxing man it's 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 horrific right i know i know hundreds of guys that's tried that so whether you take heroin up the streets or whether you take uh fentanyl or suboxone you're all tied in the same way you can't get off it you are not sober after four weeks of suboxone that's your taper time and if oh, your longest use bigger taper time but let's say three months at the end of the day, if you're on Suboxone after three months, you are a drug addict and you cannot come off it and, and there's no way out. Oh, well, the, the doctor prescribed this. I can tell you, Jason, listen to this. 95%-ish to 98% of people that come to me that are hardcore drug addicts, I ask them one question and the answer is always the same is where did it all start? And they always say in the doctor's office. Right. So don't believe what your doctors are telling you. If you're going in for, for, for pain and they just write you a prescription in three minutes and try and get you out the door, question them. Right. Question them. What, what, you know, I, I do it all the time. Tell my people to do it all the time. The doctor's not mm -hmm. God. He mm -hmm. doesn't know best. He doesn't know there's addiction in your family. Question them. So number one, they know how highly addictive that these are and they don't give a shit. And then number two, in regards to saying that the doctor just wanting to write a prescription, I guess that just puts money in their pocket. Like they get more money if they prescribe that drug opposed to if they prescribe another one, like are opioids just the highest paying prescription that you can throw out there? 
Listen, I, I can't really comment on uh, America so much, right? Because I've not done okay. a research, but in England, and I take it's the same in America, it's kind of a no-no to give doctors uh, backhands for pushing your uh, sort of your your uh, drug. Um, but I let me tell you, the research we did, everybody does it. It's like one of them un, untold stories. It's like all of a sudden the doctor's going to Hawaii for a fucking year or he's bought a brand new car or whatever it is because the good doctors don't. There's, oh, there's so many good doctors out there, but there's a lot of doctors that, that's t- taken the rogue version when dealing with big pharma because big pharma rules the world. End of story. Don't think anybody else does. Right. You know, it's big pharma's world and that's the way they got to go. So, yeah, I think people are getting backhanders or people are getting paid in the holidays and stuff like that. And a lot of people are dying. You've right. got to ask yourself. I went to a, I went to ten doctors when I first came over here, and they asked him for Adderall because I can't think properly. Eight out of the ten didn't even look at me; just wrote a prescription for thirty Adderall. There's only those two who said I can't do that. Right. I need, to, I need to examine you first. You need to book him for an hour. So, and I thought, oh my god, these are good doctors, mm-hmm. but doctors are just there's, there's too many patients. First right. of all, you've got like three three to five minutes a patient. You know, now it's like the NHS. You want a doctor's appointment? When I call up, I have private insurance. I pay two grand a month. Mm-hmm. When I call up for my doctor, oh, it'll be three weeks on Friday. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. That's what it is. Yeah. And from what I hear, it's very easy to get those prescriptions refilled. You just kind of show up, say, I want more, and they just give you more. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, That's crazy. You call up for repeats of prescriptions every time. Sometimes what we've tracked is you don't have to go in. They'll just keep writing it to a period. And this is where, this is where it all starts to go wrong, yeah. Jason, because they'll do about four or five months if that, of, of this drug, then when you start needing more, um, they will cut you off because now they're saving their own skin. Now they're saving the license of being careful. And I'm going to get a load of calls over this. I don't give a shit. Uh, I'm going to get a load of calls, but they cut them off. And what happens to the actual housewife who's taken it because she had a back injury, which has now been fixed, is they go to the streets. And that's where it all starts. We need to be more responsible in surgeries. We need to be careful what prescription we're writing out for the certain people. Yes, ask questions. Is there addiction in your family? Yes. Okay. Right. I'm going to give you a non-narcotic drug to take that'll help with the pain. And that's it. You know, it's anybody look at the, on the, on the, on the coast is each East and West. Then pain, pain doctors are all started setting up. You know, they were making millions of dollars a year, writing these prescriptions one minute at a time. They got write a prescription, say hi, write a prescription. And they tried to close them all down. I mean, we live in a world full of greed. Mm-hmm. We live in a world that we'd rather make $200,000 more than, than, than save this kid's life who you don't really care about as long as you get your money. And that's what he's turned into. Wow, that's heavy stuff. Uh... I know, I could just people, I'm, I'm going to say, let's get this lawsuit going here again. <laughs> the thing is, guys, it starts it's here. True. Yeah. Believe me, it's true. And, and I only, this is why people kind of like me and hate me. I'm going to say the things that you're only thinking or wish you'd said. Because I don't care. I got nothing to lose. Remember I was homeless, guys? Remember that? I got fucking nothing to lose here. I'm going to tell you exactly how it is. And if you want help, we're going to get it to you. But we're not suffering fools from, from, from companies that are killing people. We're not suffering fools. We don't mm-hmm. do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And something really interesting as well about your practice is a guarantee that you have in place. Like, I can't even go to a restaurant and be assured that if I have a bad meal that they're going to give me my money back. <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're a gentleman that has been providing service uh, for quite some time now into some very high profile people, obviously not being able to mention their names due to privacy. Uh, and, and you're incredibly successful at what you do. And you pretty much have this thing that you put forward that it, number one, if you don't think you can help them, you don't 
want to take them on uh, because you feel you're just doing them a disservice and wasting their time. And if they do come on board, you're going to guarantee your services. Yep, going to guarantee that you'll recover and have an amazing life. <clears throat> as long as you follow our directions and our program, you'll never relapse again. End of story. So I, this, this is how crazy we are for not taking people on. Because if I can't promise your, you, your loved ones, your wife, your children, that I can get you to a place where you can have an amazing life, what am I doing? I'm just sat here talking bullshit to you. That's all I'm doing. So we assessed Britney Spears one night. We closed down a restaurant in Dallas, big restaurant, Italian restaurant, because she was doing a gig. She came in two hours late. She finally got there. She was drunk. Her one condition is that she turned up sober. She turned out drunk. I got up and I said, excuse me, guys, I can't, I can't work with her. As I walked out, her father, Jamie, stood up and this big, big black bodyguard. And he said, Doc, you can't leave. I said, I can't work with her. And he literally handed me a checkbook and said, I don't care how many millions of dollars, just write it out, we need you. And I says, I'm sorry, Jamie, I can't do this. And I walked out on that. That takes balls to do that, mm. you know? It's, it's, it's about doing the right thing. Yeah, if you're not doing the right thing, what are you doing, you know? If we stop trying to con people, trying to take treatment centers time and time and time again, little Johnny's going back for his fifth and sixth treatment there to the same place, paying 30 grand a time, you should be embarrassed. Right. You should be absolutely embarrassed. Where's you put your money where, you, where your mouth is? If your program's that good, got, offer a money back guarantee. No, we're the only person in the world that does it because we're the real fucking deal. You know, we're, 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 all my guys are recovered alcoholics and addicts. All my guys are so passionate about this. All our guys are into for, for saving lives. If you're in business, whatever the business may be, and you're doing the right thing, you won't go hungry. Right. Well, I think this is a good time. Uh, to talk about your five to 10 minute pep talk and the value add that you would like to throw out there to a listener that might be needing a little bit of help. Well, we've all been in places, guys. We've all been in a place where I sat at home, maybe on your home or even with family around you, and you think you're done. You think, whether alcoholic or not, that this is your lot. This is all you're going to amount to. This is it for you. Well, first of all, I want to apologize. Somebody's put that there. We're not born like that. Well, each born with million dollar minds. Stop fucking hanging around 10 cent minds. Okay, that's your first trick. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Okay, but if you're in that place and you do need a 10 minute pep talk and by pep talk, I mean, I'm going to build you up. I'm going to, you know, get, tell you the real stuff. I can't tell anybody lies. So, you know, if you're a, a useless kid who don't want to go to work, don't call me, I can't do anything for you. But if you really want to get your life back on track again, call me, I'll give you 10 minutes free of charge on my time to give you a talk that will change your life. I guarantee it. Now, obviously, loads of people call in. If I don't answer, oh, fucking hell, like Rob Kelly, eh? what is it? It's because I'm with a patient or I'm with somebody. Leave your name on the voicemail or text. I will get back to you. I promise you I'll get back to you. So here is my cell phone number. It's not my assistant or my receptionist. This is my personal phone number. It's 214 six zero 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 two one zero and i have to express it's for a pep talk i ain't going to sell you anything you have to fucking earn your place in my in my company we don't just take people on so don't ever think we're going to try to sell you anything I'm not going to do that i'm just going to talk you to a place that you can go out and keep your head high and start practicing these things i'm going to tell you you know which is self-respect you know make sure you get paid more and do certain things and then out you pop through the door and the day's going to be better than it was yesterday. And it continues like that, believe me. Dr. Rob Kelly, I feel like giving you a call right after we're done. I, I need a... <laughs> <laughs>
you you are awesome and uh, i do not doubt your record i do not doubt your sincerity and i don't think anyone watching this does either uh, i think you're a real gem and i know there's a lot of other people out there uh, that feel the same um yeah i just really can't thank you enough for taking some time during a very difficult time for so many people to shed some light into their life and the other thing is i want to say guys you know <clears throat> if i've upset anybody today uh with what i've said uh, or anything like that i really want to uh say nothing call your fucking sponsor and write it down on your gratitude list what i say is the truth what i say is meaning and i love you all guys and if you need me i'm gonna be here for you believe me i'm, the, I'm in the i'm in the trenches here I ain't stood on no big mountain looking down. I'm in the trenches, guys. Right. You know, so let's do the right thing together. And if people want to find you online, where do they go? Stick Dr. Robin and, and Dr. Rob Kelly in any search engine. You'll see pages and pages. If you want to get real brave and visit the website, it's robkelly.com. I spell my name with two Bs, R-O-B-B-K-E-L-L-Y.com. You can see us on all the platforms. Listen to our show every Friday at noon. We have a podcast with special guests on and you'll see all the TV and stuff that I've done. So thank all you right. for following. If you get really bored, Amazon or Walmart will be selling Daddy, Daddy, Please Stop Drinking. It's been on the market for a few months. Every dime, not the profits, every dime that somebody spends in that book goes out to the community of people in need. Oh, that's fantastic. And thank you for sharing that. And thank you for watching yet another episode of the Launchpad Podcast. My name is J-Man. Don't forget to subscribe. You take care, be well, and love simply because you can. That was wonderful, Dr. Rob Kelly. Man, you have a, such a fucking good voice, man. <laughs> fucking yeah, good. When you, yeah. I didn't know until you started, you know, that press the record. He's like, right, yeah. Shit, he's got one of them golden voices for radio, man. Got to throw it out there. Yeah, it, it served me well over 17 years. Go figure. Now I'm trying to get back into voiceovers. I'm trying to take everything that I do online now. Uh, just with like everything's crazy here like I'm in so I'm in Ontario Canada and I don't know if you've heard about Ontario yeah but definitely. we have some of the most strict lockdowns like yeah. on the face of the planet and so uh it, it, there's a couple of things that like I do trade shows that's one of my investments and of course we're not wow. able to have those because we can't no. have large groups together all that kind of shit what is it crazy. doing for your like for your I guess well it must be increasing business because more people have problems uh, yeah, it is. But, you know, we live in Texas, man. Texas is a whole new beast. You know, right. our governor six months ago say no fucking mass. What are you doing? You're crazy. Yeah. You know, don't give a shit. So everything's open. It has been for, for months. We locked down for about two, two to four weeks or something like that. They had to wear a mask for the next three months. But after that, the, 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 the uh, now right or wrong, you know, Abbott just said, that's it. You know, you're allowed, not allowed to wear a mask. Uh, everything's mm -hmm. good. So it's been pretty good. But <clears throat> I must admit, and it has to be direct from the from the pandemic is we have revenue wise because that's what business is all around. You've got to look at the back things and, and the, the staff and everything. We have never grossed what we have over the last six months in, in our whole 30 years. Mm. You know, it's crazy. But adding that, we still managed to get in at least 10 percent pro bono to people. That's and wicked. Always giving away, always giving you know, all the money we give away, all the things we give to people, give my time. I'm working with three pro bonos now who can't afford treatment and they're doing really good. It's like, it's all about giving my time and nobody needs to really know the nitty gritty, you know, giving my time. They, you know, I do talks for PTSD soldiers and nobody needs to know all that stuff. You just need to, you know, oh, Rob, oh yeah, I've seen Dr. Roy. He's a big, big gobshite. You know, he's a, oh, aggressive and blah, blah, blah. That's my, that's my public image. 
privately at home, me and my wife spend hours and hours looking for who we can help. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're making a whole bunch of money, that means you're helping a whole bunch of people. And that's a good thing. You know, I, I don't, I never mentioned this online, but you know, this is all God's work. And uh, I asked him for a big platform. That's what I asked him for when I come over here. Uh, the, la the last show I did was 18 million viewers, you know, and we're in a position now where we, we get to give away because I think that's what God wants me to do. He don't want me to keep for myself. Now I have lots of toys and we live in a great house and we want for nothing, but we try and give at least 30% of our income. And we're a million dollar company. We give 30% of our income away to the underprivileged and we'll never stop doing that. Mm. I love it. Absolutely. I get a kick out watching someone's face, just, you know, start crying when you come up and go, Hey, I want to pay the next six months rent for you. Cause I know you're struggling. So I get to do that today, Jason. It's like a fucking miracle every day that I live. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, Oh, Dr. Rob, you have I a know. heart. You have a heart. I, know. I just I lost so much respect for you. All no, right. Get out of this. <laughs> Stop the podcast. Fuck this shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fucking awesome. So awesome, you don't share man. any of that publicly? Very rarely do I get into that because uh, <clears throat> what I was, what I've created or what God's created when I came over is this loud, because uh, we don't forget when I come over here 14 years ago, we're still fighting to get this out of the closet. It's still a dirty disease. Mm -hmm. So I started speaking around and when I do speak, depending where I speak, I've spoken churches, which my talk is a lot different. And uh, I, I speak to uh, homeless people. So when somebody uh, my big book that I read from AA says, when you're dealing with these people, you better use everyday language. So I curse a lot. And then sometimes I'll end in church and I'll tell them the stuff that, you know, that we do and how we, how God helps us do this. And how Jesus is my, you know, and uh, they love it. Absolutely love it. Cause that's the bottom line is if you want to get well, I'm your fucking guy. You know, yeah. if you don't want to get well, I'm not your guy, but if I see you struggling, I will help. I, I, we, I passed a gas station two weeks ago. And there was this black lady and she must have had four kids in the car. And you could see she was trying to squeeze out like $4 of gas. I, pulled, I turned right around and I pulled into the garage and I walked over and I said, hey, can I fill your tank up? And she's like, go away, go away. I said, no, I'm serious. You know, I showed her my ID. I said, and she was crying. And we filled the, I filled the tank up and then she finished. I gave her $100 for the kids. And she was hugging me. And I get, I get to fucking do that today, Jason. All right. How, how cool is that? You know, yeah. it's the that's best awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, wow. And uh, oh, here's one more thing. Uh, the NLP, is that what it's called? Yes. Yes. So you, you practice that? Is that something yes. that you use in your practice? Oh, that's really yes. interesting. Yeah. Because so I'm familiar with it. So in, in what areas do you use that? Like, which way do you apply it? Uh, behaviors and, and uh, even alcoholism, but behavior and central nervous system more. That's what my daughter went back to school for, for, for a couple of years was she's a neuro a linguistic programmer, a counselor. So we use it in a way that I can slip any session of one hour. I slip four to five things in your brain that you haven't noticed. And I'll do certain things as well. Like when you come to the house, the home office, you know, you, you, you'll get out of the car and be certain things around your walk to my front door that you see that's familiar to you. So when you get to the door, you're in a pretty good mood and you come in and it's just amazing what you can do with that shit. I, okay. I could talk to somebody that's adamant they don't want to do something and 10 minutes later, they'll do it. And they have right. no fucking idea. I did just change their mind. Right. I actually use it for all kinds of crazy stuff, but I don't. But yeah, that's why, you see, these are the things why I'm so successful. Mm -hmm. These are people can't get the fucking head around. It's like the, the, the treatment center is like 5%. Why are you almost 100? Because 
I've fucking studied this like for 30 years. I've studied it. You know, it's like, it's so simple, the answer, but you've got to know what you're doing. I do brain science. Nobody apart from three people in America and the world is, is certified to do brain science, but I met the guy that created it. So I work with him. There's no certificates yet. Brain Mm -hmm. science is it's like a EMDR, but it's a, it's a direct line from the pupil into the subconscious brain. How fucking cool is that? That's the kind of stuff we kind of do, you know? Yeah, listen, I'm not smart enough for this conversation. So (laughs) let's talk about sports. You like football? (laughs) Go Cowboys. That's all I'm saying. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, I I know there's something along the lines of if you're able to get somebody to basically follow along in compliance for one thing, no matter how small, there's a much greater likelihood that they'll be able to or they will follow the next step. Something like a 75% or something outrageous like that. So it it might just... It might start off with just like bring some ice for the party yeah. and they say, okay, they bring ice. And you're like, yeah, can you lend me 20 bucks? All that kind of shit. Yeah. It's the mirroring part of the brain is what it is. Uh, Salesmen, very good salesmen use it, the mirroring part, because what they do is if you take a customer out or anybody out and they order Coke, you order Coke. If they get the fish, you get the fish. Right. You know, and then do your background on them. You know, they play golf. So now you slip a golf thing in, you go, oh my God, Mm. my bloody caddy last night. Oh, you play golf. It's all that. Yeah, you can get people to do anything you want. Yeah, and body fact, language. Just, just a quick story. It was in Dallas. We had a guy there, and he's drink Pepsi. And we had to buy fucking Pepsi in for him because he never drinks Coke. He's like, I've got to buy these fucking extra drinks every fucking day. So we go to the market, and we'd bring these 24 packs, and we'd stack them up. He was there every day. So one day, we took him out the office in a car, got my chauffeur to drive him out and around, and we passed at least five places within 45 minutes that had a Coca-Cola advertisement or mention of Coca-Cola. And we drove him around and he's looking around and everything. Then we got out the car and on the side of the street, somebody had left a, a half, drink, half drink Coca-Cola on the side, actually on the step. He walked in on the second floor. It stopped because somebody else wants to go up. They got in wearing a Coca-Cola t-shirt. So by the time he come in the office, I said, what are you having to drink? And he went, fuck it. Let's have a Coke. I've never tried it. Right. That's what we do. Monkey see, monkey do, and repetition wins. Follow the herd. Yeah, that's repetition crazy. Repetition strengthens and confirms. Every <sighs> time. Yeah, man, we have to have another chat later on because that's some Fucking deep awesome. shit. Yeah. 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 All right. Definitely. So if you wouldn't mind, can I use what we have here at the end as well? Can I throw that in? Of course. Oh, that's okay. That's wicked. I wasn't sure because I didn't no, know you You can you use that anything, same. man. You can oh, use my name wicked. for everything. Okay. I'll, Very rarely do I tell people that, by okay. the way. But you can use it everything. I just... There's a connection, Jason, here. I don't know what the hell it is. I don't know what it's leading, but you're a real good guy. And, and I, I really like good guys. So plus you're handsome. You've got a great fucking voice. But apart from that, you're an awesome guy. You really oh, are. Thanks, brother. I really do appreciate that. So let's make sure we keep in touch moving forward. And let's see how we can help one another, help other people. Sounds good, man. All right. You take care. Thank you so much. Okay, later, brother. Bye-bye.